What an honor it is to have all of you here at Go Church on what we call First Wednesday, although this is the second Wednesday, so that'll throw some people off. I hope that you all had a safe and happy new year and such a great room tonight, the auditorium here at our South Metro Atlanta campus. Can y'all make some noise? Come on, make some noise. And then uh, 700 miles north of here is our Germantown, Maryland campus. Love all of you. Uh, yesterday, they had a few inches of snow, but I heard it's melted because the fire of God is all over y'all. Come on now. So can everybody welcome Germantown? Come on. Love you guys. God bless you. Pastor David and the team there. What an honor it is to have all of you. We, we are now on day number five of 21 days of prayer and fasting. And I'm believing for supernatural miracles to happen. Come on. Are you with me on that? I hope that we can be united on that reality that God wants to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we could ever ask, think, or imagine. And so many of us at both of our campuses, we've jumped into the morning times of prayer, Monday through Friday at 6 a.m. The auditoriums are open. And then on Saturday morning at 8.30 a.m., we're coming together for uh, a devotion and worship and a time of prayer. And God, God is showing up. Last Saturday, we had over 300 people show up between the two campuses for prayer. And then each day this week, come on, each day this week, we've seen, we've seen over 100 people every morning come out for prayer. And I tell you that, just so you know, that if you think you're going to show up, you're going to be the only one, you ain't. Come on now. Pardon the grammar, but the Bible does say where two or three gather together in his name, he promises to show up. And that's a beautiful promise, isn't it? And so a lot of times in the church world, we talk a lot about the discipline of prayer, but at least in, in my ministry, we don't do a good enough job of talking about the discipline of fasting, the discipline of fasting. So I'm going to teach you tonight just a little bit on the topic of the discipline of fasting and going into this new year as your pastor, the Holy Spirit really dropped this analogy into my spirit. And I want you to, uh, to kind of catch it with me if you can, because this will... This, this thought will kind of set the tone for the whole year with the messages that we preach and the, the series that we promote and the, the curriculum and the content and the groups and all of that. As I was praying for you all, leaving one year and entering a new one, leaving one decade and entering a new one, I had this thought, and this isn't some profound revelation, it's just the truth. We're all on a journey. We're all on a journey. And for many of us, we're on a spiritual journey. Whenever you read the scripture, the Bible will reference that journey as a walk, that we're on a walk. Now, you know this because many of you, you've traveled. Some of you have traveled uh, internationally. Some of you have gone to some great places. And some of you have stayed at some of the finest resorts and dined at the finest of all restaurants. Come on now. One time I took Kimberly to this incredibly beautiful French restaurant called McDonald's. You ever heard of that place? Come on. That's funny right there. But you've traveled before, and so you know the idea of packing for your trip, ladies. Come on now. And so you're familiar with luggage or a suitcase or whatnot. But imagine if you're on a journey, on a walk, typically you would take a backpack. And the Lord kind of gave me that vision going into this year that we're all on this journey, and it's my responsibility as your spiritual tour guide to fill up that backpack with everything that you need in order to be successful on that journey. So that means sometimes the series of the sermons may not be flashy by way of social media standards, but if it's what the Lord wants us to hear so that we can be uh, careful on our journey to walk the straight and narrow, y'all going to help me preach tonight or what? 
So, so the, the topic of like the discipline of fasting may not be this super creative uh, idea, but I want to put it in your backpack. I want it to go into your backpack because on this journey, I promise you that if you practice with the discipline of fasting, God will do some incredible things in your life. So let me start off with this, uh, with this story. You, some of you have heard this story before. When I was in college, um, I took, uh, uh, obviously, some, some Bible classes. And in one of the classes that I took, they gave us assigned reading. I don't love to read, but I force myself to read. I learned a long time ago that leaders are readers. But I really don't do a good enough job when it comes to required reading. When you make me have to read something, I wrestle with that. But I knew if I didn't read this particular book, then I wouldn't get the right grade. I'd fail the class, and I'd have to take it over and over and over again. So... I sat down and I began to open up this book written by a man named Richard Foster. And the title of the book was The Celebration of Disciplines, which is kind of an oxymoron in itself when you consider the, uh, the title. How do you celebrate discipline? In this book, he outlined the various spiritual disciplines that a believer should practice in their journey, in their faith walk. And when I got to the chapter on the spiritual discipline of fasting, he said these words, and it really shook me. And this was 20 years ago that I read this book, 20 years ago that I read this paragraph, and it just kind of gripped me. And, and even today, I, I remember these words. Here's what he said. In the culture and the society in which we live in today, the gods that we worship, lowercase g, no longer live in houses of worship. Rather, the gods we worship the most live in pizza temples and shrines with golden arches. Think about that for a minute. The gods that we worship most now live in pizza temples and shrines with golden arches. Uh, my heart today is to do this. I want to walk you through these four questions. What, what is fasting? Why should we fast? How should we fast? And then ultimately we'll end with this conversation on when should we fast? Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I've, I got a lot of content tonight. I'm going to give you a lot of scripture, and I'm going to encourage you to take some notes. So if you've got something to write with at both campuses, take that out now. Maybe you've got a journal or a smartphone. Just don't get lost on Twitter or something, okay? Unless you're tweeting something that I said, then that's all right to get lost on Twitter. Let me give this to you really quick. What is fasting? This is the first one of the four questions that we're going to chat through tonight. What is fasting? I'm going to give you a working definition here. And this working definition, I hope, can uh, really help you and encourage you in your, in your personal journey together. Uh, I would define fasting as this. Biblical fasting is giving up something, and usually it's food. Although later on in this message, I'm going to show you that there are other things you can fast than just food. But typically, whenever you do a, a biblical fast, you're going to give up some food for a period of time. So you're going to select a certain amount of time so that you can then focus your thoughts and you can focus your attention on God. If you're like me, your day is very busy and your day can become very consumed with fleeting thoughts and random to-dos and other responsibilities. And so whenever we decide that we're going to walk in the discipline of fasting, then what we're saying is that I'm going to give up something so that I can have all of my attention and all of my focus on Christ alone. Is that good? Now, I want to show you this. Uh, if you got your Bibles, go to Matthew chapter 17, because I want to show you something that I think is really, really profound here. 
Because in Matthew chapter 17, beginning in verse number 14, what we read together is the partnership and the power of the discipline of both prayer and fasting. Now, there is great power in the partnership of prayer and fasting. These two go hand in hand together. And when you partner them together, that's when we see God do miracles that you and I typically do not see. If you're with me, just kind of nod at me, both campuses, you with me? Let me show you what I'm, what I'm talking about. Matthew chapter 17, beginning in verse number 14, this is how the story plays out. When they came to the crowd, a man came up to Jesus. He fell on his knees before Jesus and he said this, Lord, would you please have mercy on my son? because he's a lunatic and he's very ill. Now you'll see in just a moment that what he's describing is the fact that his son is demon possessed. The father says he often falls into the fire and sometimes he falls into the water. Now watch this because this is really critical. Verse number 16, he says, I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. Now that's interesting because Jesus gave us some instruction and the instruction was, is that we would do even greater things. So then Jesus, realizing and understanding what he had just heard, he becomes, at least in my uh, perception of how I'm interpreting the scripture, he becomes a little frustrated because Jesus answered, and this is what he said. He said, you unbelieving and perverted generation. On the count of three, both campuses, let's read this highlighted phrase together. It's in yellow, one, two, three. You unbelieving and perverted generation. He says, how long am I going to be with you? How long am I going to have to put up with you? And then Jesus says, bring him to me. And when they brought the boy to Jesus, Jesus rebuked him and the demon came out of him and the boy was cured at once. How many of you know that God can do those kinds of miracles still today, right? Now, now watch this because this is interesting. The disciples, I think, become very humiliated. They're humiliated because they were unable to do what they were requested to do. Jesus rebukes them. He rebukes the demon. And then in verse number 19, they pull Jesus off to the side. This is why I know that they were humiliated. They had a private one-on-one -on -one conversation with Jesus and they asked Jesus this question. Why could we not drive out the demon? And Jesus said this in verse number 20. He said, because of the littleness of your faith. Is this good tonight? He said, because of the littleness of your faith. He said, for truly I say to you, if you have faith the size of just a mustard seed, you will say to the mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Why? Because nothing will be impossible to you. Now, some Bible translation exempt verse number 21, but you can't exempt verse number 21 because it's incredibly powerful. Jesus makes a statement. He says, if you've got the faith, the size of a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move and nothing will be impossible. But then he assesses the situation and he says this, but the kind of miracle that you just witnessed can only happen by prayer and by fasting.
I want to say something to both campuses for just a moment. I have put my list to participate in 21 days of prayer and fasting because there are some miracles that I need in my life that can only happen if I'm willing to hit my knees and sacrifice my time to focus my attention on the one true living God. Is anybody hearing what I'm trying to say? There are some things that you're up against already in 2020 and the only way you're ever going to see the miracle, the only way you're ever going to see the other side is if you operate in the discipline of prayer and fasting. Come on, church. Give me a good amen right there. There are some things that you need a miracle for, and God wants to give you the miracle. But the only way you'll ever see the miracle over said situation is if you operate in the disciplines of prayer and fasting. If you want, listen to me, If you want God to do supernatural things, then you have to do some things that are supernatural. Oh, come on. Give me a better amen than that. Now, you're a smart group at both campuses, the smartest of all. Watch this. What did Jesus label the disciples? He called them this. He said, you bunch of unbelieving, perverse people. Is that not what he said? Now, this is important because he labels them unbelieving and perverse. And there's some, there's some depth to this uh, label that Jesus placed on them. I want you to write this down. He calls them unbelieving because when you're unbelieving, you do not have enough God. When you, when you lack faith, you lack intimacy with God. But when you're perverse, you're too close to the world. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So Jesus says the reason that you all can't perform the kind of miracle that I can perform is because you don't have enough God and you're too connected to the world. And then the disciples say, well, how, how, how can this miracle take place? And Jesus said, only by prayer and by fasting. Why? Listen to me. If you don't hear anything else tonight, I want you to really hear this. Prayer is what connects you back to God. And fasting is what disconnects you from the world. Oh, come on, church, help me preach tonight. When you pray, it elevates your faith. When you pray, you get connected back to the Father. But when you fast, now you disconnect yourself from the world. Jesus said in John 15, he said, I'm the vine, you're the branches. If you stay connected to me, you're going to bear lots of good fruit. But the only way that you can stay connected to the vine and bear good fruit is if you disconnect yourself from the world. And the only way to really disconnect yourself from the world is to stay connected to God through prayer and then fast so that you can disconnect yourself from the things that could be pulling at your attention. Yeah, this is good. I feel it in my spirit. Here, let me, let me summarize everything I just said with this statement. Write it down real quick or, or take a picture. Through the discipline of prayer, somebody say prayer, Prayer. we connect ourselves to God, but through the discipline of fasting, somebody say fasting, Fasting. we disconnect ourselves from the world. Prayer connects you to God. Fasting disconnects you from the world. I can't talk about you because I don't know all of you, but I can talk about me. I need in 2020 a greater connection to God. And I need a greater disconnection from the things of this world. Let me say it again. And maybe that's you. And this year, I need to be more connected to God 
and less connected to the things of this world. So let me give you this. So then why, why should we fast? I'm glad you asked. Um, some of you are, are greater Bible scholars than I'll ever be, but I don't believe there's any one particular place in the Bible from Old Testament to New Testament that shows us fasting as a requirement for salvation. So it's not that fasting is commanded if you are a follower of Christ, but I will say this, if you are a follower of Christ, then fasting is necessary. Uh, as a matter of fact, when you read from the Old Testament to the New Testament, you'll see uh, pretty quickly that there are over 50 examples of biblical personalities that have demonstrated their discipline of fasting or using the discipline of fasting. You can go to Moses. Moses, before he was given the Ten Commandments, the Bible says that he fasted. And in that time of fasting, connecting to God through prayer, disconnecting from the world, the two stone tablets came. And the Bible says that when he came down off the mountain, his face shone with the glory of God. You right, right, might remember, pardon me, King David. The Bible says that when the widow of Uriah bore David a child, the child was very sick. And so David, King David, began this discipline of fasting over the sick child. When Elijah was on the run from Jezebel, the Bible says that in order to flee the temptation and the enemy, that Elijah fasted. The Bible says that Esther fasted so that the Jews would be protected. Daniel fasted because he had a request that he, know, he knew that only God could answer. Anna, Anna was 84 years old. And the Bible says that she never left the temple of God and every day she prayed and she fasted. The moment that Saul became Paul in his conversion experience, the Bible says the first thing Paul did, he began to fast. He wanted to get connected to God and get disconnected from the world. When Jesus' ministry was inaugurated, when he went public with his ministry and he came up out of the water and the dove lighted on his shoulder and over the loudspeaker of heaven, God said, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. Your Bible says that Jesus was prompted by the Holy Spirit to go into the wilderness and there in the wilderness, Jesus fasted. How long did Jesus fast? Jesus fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. And throughout that fast, it was Jesus who was tempted by the devil. But I've just stopped by Go Church to tell somebody that Jesus never fell into the temptation by the enemy because through prayer and fasting, through prayer, he stayed connected to his father and through fasting, he stayed disconnected from the world. Can you pause and give Jesus some praise? Come on. Oh, come on, both campuses. Put your hands together real quick. Come on, church. Oh, yeah. In Isaiah 58, the Lord says to Isaiah, he says, the way that the Israelites are fasting is, is, is unacceptable. It's unacceptable. He said they're, they're doing it all wrong because their type of fasting is grounded on self-righteousness. I just want to tell you that whenever you operate in the disciplines of prayer and fasting, it is never so that you can get attention. It's never so that you can get honor. It's never so that you can brag or so that you can boast. No, no, no. It's so that you can be humbled, low. Are you listening to me? And the Lord said to Isaiah, he said, I have to, I, I'm going to use you as a mouthpiece to rebuke the children of Israel. 
And if you look at Isaiah beginning uh, chapter 58, beginning in verse number one, you're going to see the rebuke on the front end here. The Lord says, I want you to shout as loud as you can. And you tell my people Israel about their sins. He said, they worship me every day, claiming that they are eager to know my ways and obey my laws. This is what he said. He said, they say that they want me to give them just laws and they take pleasure in worshiping me. The Lord says, the people ask, why should we fast if the Lord never notices? Why, why should we go without food if he pays no attention? And then the Lord says to them this. He says, the truth is that at the same time you fast, you pursue your own interests. He said, while you have fast, you oppress your workers. And then watch this. And I highlighted these two words. He said, your fasting that's centered on self-righteousness, it makes you violent. Your fasting makes you quarrel and your fasting makes you fight. And then he presents his questions. He says, do you think this is the kind of fasting that will make me listen to your prayers? He said this, he said, whenever you fast, you make yourselves suffer. You bow your heads low like a blade of grass and you spread out sackcloth and ashes to lie on. If you get the visual, the people would pretend to be in mourning so that they could get questioned, what's wrong with you? What's going on? What's bothering you? Because they wanted the attention so that they could brag and boast in their disciplines. And Jesus, the Lord says this, he says, is that what you call fasting? Do you think that I'm going to be pleased with that, are you hearing me? And I know he's talking about fasting here, but I think any discipline that you practice, any biblical discipline that you practice, if it's ever centered on self-righteousness, God will never be pleased with that. Are you hearing me? Now, we're really gonna go somewhere, so I want you to lean in for a second. This is where it shifts in verse number six. Now the Lord shows us even today why we fast and the power that we see through the discipline of participating in fasting. He says, this is the kind of fasting that I want. This is the fasting that I want. He says, the fasting that I want is to remove the chains of oppression. He says, the fasting that I want will, will break the yoke of injustice. He said, the fasting that I want to see, and if you do it right, it will let the oppressed go free. He said, you want to fast the way I want you to fast? Watch verse seven. He says, then you'll share your food with the hungry. This is the kind of, because it's humility. He says, you'll open up your homes to the homeless poor. You'll give your clothes to those who have nothing to wear and don't refuse to help your own relatives. Are you seeing this? He says, watch verse number eight. He says, then, then my favor will shine on you like the morning sun and your wounds will be quickly healed. I will always be with you to save you. My presence will protect you on every side. And when you pray, I will answer you. And when you call to me, then I will respond. Now, I don't know if you caught it or not, but in those nine verses, the Lord just revealed to you some things that happen when you operate in the discipline of both prayer and fasting from a spirit of humility and you get off your high horse, come on somebody, and you realize that it's not about you, it's never been about you, it's always been about Jesus, come on. And the miracle that you need can only come by the spirit of humility through prayer and fasting. Six things, watch this, the first one was in verse number six. Remove the chains of oppression and the yoke 
of injustice. You can fast for freedom. My Bible says that whom the Son set free is free indeed. And I need to talk to some Christians for just a moment. God doesn't just want to save you, but he wants to free you. God doesn't just want to save you so that you can get to heaven. Yes, that's glorious, but God wants to save you and free you so that while you're on this journey in this world, you can walk in freedom. Both campuses on three, shout freedom, one, two, three. Freedom. And you can fast for freedom. Freedom from sin, freedom from bondage, freedom from addiction. I think about the children of Israel in the Exodus. When God delivered them from the hands of Pharaoh and they came out of Israel, he saved them from oppression, but he also freed them. He didn't just want to get them out of Egypt. He wanted to get Egypt out of them. So I want to say something to you. There may have been a moment in your life where you had a conversion experience, but you still struggle with sin. Hey, I'm not here to cast any stones. I got my own stuff and God is working on me deeply. The more I spend time in prayer and get connected to him and the more I fast and get disconnected from the world, the more I see in me that God needs to work on. So I'm not here to throw any stones, but I'm trying to encourage somebody that God doesn't want you to live that life of bondage anymore. Now I may, I may really challenge some of your theology and I'm sorry if it ruffles your feathers, but I'm just going to say it. Just going to say it. You can deal with it however you want to deal with it. I'm going to take tomorrow off so you can't come find me. Here it is. Are you ready? I, I don't know fully how grace and mercy works. I don't. But if we think that a cigarette here or there is sending us to hell, or if we think that a social drink here or there is sending us to hell, or a cuss word here or there is sending us to hell, I think we have a poor view of God's grace and mercy. But God, rich in mercy, says the same power that raised Jesus up from the grave lives on the inside of you. And God says, hey, my grace is sufficient but my power is real. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, you can walk in freedom. You can put down the cigarette. You can put down the alcoholic beverage. I'm preaching far better than you're helping me. You can close your, watch, oh Jesus. You can gird your tongue and speak life and not death. God says, I don't just want to save you, but I want to free you. And he wants to free you from the addiction. He wants to free you from the sin. He wants you to walk a new walk, talk a new talk, live a new life. Because when we fast, baby, we fast for freedom. Come on now. Yeah. Woo. Man, I, I have been praying for this moment. And for five days, I felt the power of the Holy Spirit rise up on the inside of me to declare over you and your household that if you'll just try God and the discipline of fasting, every generational curse that has attacked your family, 
the curse that was on your great-granddaddy that was passed down to your granddaddy that was passed down to your daddy that's tried to attach itself to you if you will fast you will find freedom come on take 10 seconds and give Jesus some praise come on On the count of three, both campuses say, he wants me free. One, two, three. He wants, he wants you free. I, I, don't, I don't think you'll go to hell because you had a beer. But I can tell you one thing. I lived that life. Before I met Jesus, I lived that life. And I know the emptiness and I know the pain and I know the lies that the enemy tells me. And at the end of the day, I make you this guarantee. If you'll just get connected to God and you'll disconnect yourself from the world, you'll tap into a power that is far greater than your own power. And you'll be able to say no, shout no. no. You'll be able to shout no to things you used to say yes to. When you fast, you find freedom. I could stay there, but I'm going to move because there's six of these. Watch. The next one was this. Let the oppressed go free. So now the Lord is saying that, hey, if you'll stay connected to me through prayer and you'll disconnect through the world through fasting, then lost people can be saved. When I started this journey in the 21 days of prayer in 2020, in my heart, there is a list of relatives in my family that I, I would consider to be lost. They're on this journey without Jesus. They're on this journey with no hope. So there are some things I'm believing God for for my personal life as I pray and fast. But I've got, I've got siblings. I've got cousins. I've got nieces and nephews that they're oppressed. They're lost and they need Jesus. I just want to take a moment. If you've got a lost relative, I pray that through your commitment to fasting, God will let the oppressed go free. That wherever they are, whatever they're involved in, wherever they live, whatever their residence, that through your commitment to fasting, the Holy Spirit will move and arrest their heart. Come on now. This word oppressed, a synonym for that can mean broken, and that's what the Lord does. God mends the brokenhearted. He mends the brokenhearted. So when you fast the Lord's way, you can fast so that lost people can be saved. Wave at me if you got somebody that needs Jesus. Come on. Then try God. The Holy Spirit can move and convict them. And by the way, it's the Holy Spirit that draws them in anyway. Come on now. All right, let me move to the third one. Here's the third one. Verse 7. Share your food with the hungry. Open up your homes to the homeless poor. Give clothes to those who have nothing to wear. Do not refuse to help your own relatives. So now we're quickly learning that we can fast for the needs of others. You don't have to look very far to find people that are in need, do we? No, there's people all around us that have needs. But, but when we fast, when we disconnect from the world, now we can see through a different lens. A, a lens that's not foggy a lens that's not clouded, a lens that's not self-righteous. Because I know, at least for me, sometimes I genuinely believe that the earth rotates on its axis for me. And I've learned this as well. 
But maybe God has us alive so that we can help meet the needs of others. And when you fast, you can ask God, who has a need? And how can I be used to meet that need? Is this good? Yeah. All right, come on. I'm going to give you another. You ready for number four? I like this one. Number four, verse number eight says, then my favor will shine on you like the morning sun. So when we fast, we can fast for favor. Somebody say favor. favor. I want to tell you something, church. I want God's favor. I do not remember the last time I woke up and I didn't pray for God's favor on my life in that day. If I'm on this journey, if I'm walking this spiritual walk, then I want God's favor on every step that I take. Come on now. And I'm talking about big favor. See, God's put it in my heart to plant churches, to plant campuses. So I'm going to need some favor. I'm going to need favor in cities and counties and states. I'm going to need favor with political figures and government officials. I'm going to need favor with businessmen and businesswomen and entrepreneurs so that when we walk into these new states and cities, we've got favor on our life. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I want big favor, the big kind of favor that can pay off $4.2 million of debt that we carry in this facility. Are you hearing me? Where somebody could walk in and say, the Lord just told me to stop by and write you a check for $4.2 million. Come on, somebody. If God can do it for others, God can do it for us. I'm talking about favor, Germantown, big favor. So big that God could give us your own permanent building so you don't have to be portable anymore in that movie theater. We thank God for the movie theater, but I want to walk in favor. Come on if you're with me. I want to walk in big favor where somebody says, hey, we saw a building that's closing down. Here's the deed to the building. And now Germantown, you got your own campus. You can call home. Favor. But I don't want to miss God in the little favor either. Like when I go to Chick-fil-A and I order a six-count nugget, but they give me eight. Come on, somebody. No, give me favor, God. Big favor, small favor. I just want favor. Wave at me if that's you. Just give me favor. The kind of favor that when I pull up in Walmart and I'm looking for a spot, I carry favor where I don't park in the back. No, by the time I get to the front, somebody's leaving just in time to give me a front row spot reserved just for me. I want favor. God's unmerited grace, his unmerited favor, that when he looks down from heaven, his favor shines on me as bright as the morning sun. If you want favor, give Jesus some thanks. Come on. Yeah. Woo, give me that favor. I don't get favor if I'm self-righteous. I get favor if I'm humble. I don't get favor if I'm tall. I get favor if I'm low, if I'm meek. I get favor when I'm broken. I get, I get favor when I've been beat down. I get favor when I've overcome challenges and trials. And God says, now, now you've made it through the fire. Now you've made it through the test. And I'm, I feel this in my spirit. I didn't rehearse this part. I really feel like God dropped it in my heart just now. I want you to know that on the other side of whatever it is that you're up against today, there is great favor. On the other side of whatever your battle is right now, there is a great reward. You hang in there. You don't give up. You keep fighting. 
How do I fight? I don't know how to fight. I'm going to tell you how to fight. You fight through prayer and you fight through fasting and you don't quit. You don't throw in the proverbial towel. Every day on this journey, you get out of your bed, even if it's raining outside, you put one foot in front of the other and you say, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will be glad and rejoice in it. And when you walk through the trial and you walk through, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, can I declare over your life, you're walking through it. And when you get through it, there's great favor on the other side. Come on now. Yeah. Are you having as much fun as I am? We fast for favor. Here's another one. I think this is number five. We can also fast for healing. Woo. Your Bible says in verse number eight that your wounds will be quickly healed. I don't know who I'm talking to at what campus, but whatever type of sickness or disease you have, may it be physical, may it be mental, may it be emotional, whatever that, whatever that pain, whatever that sickness is, the Bible says that when you, when you fast, your wounds will be quickly healed. Don't you put a lid on what God can do. Many of you know, because I shared this in a moment of transparency some weeks ago, that my mom has really been sick, really been sick. She just had her 27 or 28th major surgery on her body. And this one was the worst of all. They rushed her back to the ICU. And for a period of time, it was kind of touch and go. A lot of fear, a lot of anxiety, a lot of uncertainty. And ironically enough, about five days ago, she started feeling better. And I talked to her again this morning and she said, this is the best I have felt in years. Now listen, listen to me before you stop clapping because I'm going to give your clapper something to clap about. I said, I know it is because five days ago I started fasting for your healing. Come on. And my God told me that your wounds would quickly heal. So you, you got to have just a little bit of faith just a little bit of faith. Don't be an unbelieving and perverted generation. No, some kinds of miracles can only transpire through prayer and through fasting. And when you fast for healing, your wounds will be quickly healed. Let me give you one more. Watch this. Not only do we fast for healing, but we can fast for protection. I love this because the enemy is out to get us. The Bible says in John 10, 10, that the enemy comes to steal, kill, and that means for you, he's after you, your family, your children, your grandchildren, your money, your job, your career, your calling, your health, your mind, your car, the hot water heater, the dishwasher. Come on, I'm talking to the alternator. I'm talking to somebody right now. He's coming for you. But the Bible says in verse 8 and 9, the Lord makes a promise. And he says, this is the kind of fast that I want. And when you do the fast the right way, I will always be with you. I'll always be with you to save you. And, and watch this. My presence will do what? Protect you on every side. And then I love this verse number 9. And when you pray, oh, Jesus, thank you. I will answer you. And when you call, 
I will respond. Hey, you know this because you just bought a lot of stuff at Christmas time. Almost every electronic that you bought, they offered you a protection plan. Do you want the extended warranty? It's only a couple extra dollars. Let me let you in on a little financial knowledge here. Dave Ramsey says, never buy the warranty. Okay? Every electronic that I buy nowadays, do you want the protection plan? As believers in Christ Jesus, we got the greatest protection plan of all time. God says, I, I will personally be your bodyguard. So sometimes when the enemy rears his ugly head, I just kind of smile and I remind the enemy of what happened to the devil. Come on. When Jesus and the devil faced off and Jesus was victorious and he took the keys to death, hell and the grave, the, de the devil don't want none. Come on, somebody. Tell your neighbor, the devil don't want none because we've got the greatest protection plan of all. God, hear me. God is for you. He's not against you. Has this been good tonight? Come on, give Jesus some thanks one more time. Come on. Okay. I promise you four questions. I can do it here in five minutes. Watch this. So then what should we fast? I, I told you what fasting is, and I tried to tell you why, why we fast, according to Isaiah 58, 1 through 9. Because I'm, I'm believing that beginning in the morning, some of you are going to jump into fasting with us. I get that not everybody can make prayer because we have our own schedules, the corporate times of prayer. But I'm praying that God touches your heart to see that there is power in the discipline of fasting. So, so what should we fast? Write these down. Uh, the first one is this. There is a regular fast. It's a regular fast. A regular fast is uh, defined rather as abstaining from all food and drink. So for whatever period of time that you allot during this regular fast, you're going to say, I'm not going to eat anything and I'm not going to drink anything, only water, only water. That would be considered a regular fast. Everybody got that? Another type of fasting is a liquid only fast. Now, this is very similar to the regular fast because in the liquid only fast, you're still going to abstain from foods but you're going to drink more than just water. So maybe you have, you know, a, a juice drink or some type of smoothie or you drink a little bit of broth for the nutrients or, or whatever that looks like for you. You drink coffee, okay? You can't have, all, you can't have your venti, you know, white chocolate mocha, <laughs> shaken, not stirred, extra hot on the fast. Like, Jesus, this is all for your glory. But you get the point that a liquid only fast is abstaining from solid, solid foods, but you're adding more than just water into that season. Then there's a partial fast. This may be the most well-known because we consider this to be the Daniel fast. So in the partial fast, you're going to abstain from particular kinds of food. So you'll say, and this is what Daniel did. A Daniel for 21 days, Daniel for three weeks during the Passover, uh, he needed God to answer a prayer, so, so he fasted certain types of food. The Bible says this, that Daniel fasted choice food, he fasted meat, he fasted wine, and he fasted putting lotion on his hands. I don't know why he chose that, but he did. 
And he said, okay, I'm giving these things up so that I can get connected more to you and disconnect more from the world. So maybe if you choose a partial fast, like a Daniel fast, and you can Google Daniel fast and click images, it'll give you a whole menu. But on a Daniel fast, you're going to have fruits, vegetables, beans, and nuts. And that's pretty much it. There you go. It's a partial fast. You're still putting something into your body, but you're saying no to red meat. Come on now, you steak lovers. You're saying no to the double cheeseburger. Come on now. You're saying no to Chick-fil-A, which God will still love you because you're fasting. It's a partial fast. Then this one is an absolute fast. In the absolute fast, there is no food and there is no liquid. It's absolute. I'm not doing anything. Now, I want to say something because this is incredibly important. If you choose any type of fasting, you better make sure you heard from God. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You need to make sure you heard from God and that you approach the discipline of fasting from a very sincere place. And then watch this. And when you fast, you're not just fasting what you said you were fasting. You're replacing that with times of prayer and meditation. Because fast, hear this, because fasting without prayer is just a diet. That's called intermittent fasting. And that's a great trend because there are great physical benefits. But when you do biblical fasting and you give something up to spend time with God, that's how we see these kinds of miracles. Does that make sense? So whatever fast you engage in, you just make sure you heard from God. And if you're going to attempt to do a fast that is consecutive days, use wisdom. Don't make this legalistic. Check with your doctor, your primary care physician. If you're on medication, you read the warnings of what happens if you don't eat food and drink liquid. Be wise. Are you hearing me? Okay. But food isn't the only things that we can fast. You can do this. You can fast TV. You can fast movies. You can fast Netflix. You can give up social media. For some of us, we are too connected to social media. Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, Facebook, TikTok. MySpace, some of y'all still on MySpace. Come on now. It's consuming too much of your time. So you can disconnect from that. You can give up secular music. Yeah, you can say, okay, I'm going, I'm going to turn this off and just listen to some good Jesus juice. Come on now. Just give me some Jesus all in my spirit. Here's another one. You can have a, I don't know if there's any children in here, but an SEX fast. Yeah. If you brought your kids in tonight, it's your own fault. We all for go kids. Come on now. It's PG 13 up in here. Don't get mad at me. It's your fault. You didn't check them in. Watch this. First Corinthians seven, five, read it. Yeah. So food isn't the only things that you can fast. There are alternatives because some of you cannot physically fast food, but we can all give up something when we connect to God through prayer and we disconnect from the world through fasting, that's when we see these kinds of miracles. And here's the last question. So when do we do it? When should we fast? I'm about to say something and I hope I don't regret saying it because this is not about me, but the 21 days of prayer and fasting are not the only seasons in the year that I fast. And I'm not saying that to so be like, wow, that's impressive. It's not impressive. 
It's brokenness. So I, I jump in with you all because I'm not going to ask you to do something that I'm not willing to do myself. But even when 21 days of prayer and fasting are over, I'm still operating the discipline of fasting. Because you want to know when you should fast? Write this down. Anytime you feel the need to connect to God and disconnect from the world, that's when you call a fast. That's when you say, okay, I need you, Jesus. Because the kind of miracle that I'm believing for can only come through prayer and through fasting. Come on, can we give Jesus the best praise we've got? Come on. Come on, if that's your best, that's sad. Come on, church. Every head bowed, every eye closed, I'm going to pray for you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that something that was said in this 44-minute message resonated with the hearts of your people. At both campuses, the musicians are coming. Your campus pastors will come. We're going to sing a chorus here, and then your campus pastors will give you the closing next steps. But before you leave here, I want you to wrestle in your spirit about should you jump into the discipline of fasting? If you need a miracle, if you're desperate for a miracle, would you try God? He's never let us down, not once. And when you fast, I'm telling you, miracles, signs, and wonders, God will do exceedingly, abundantly, above all you could ever ask or think. God will do everything his word promised he would do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You deserve it. Come on and stand with me. Let's worship for a moment. Come on.